Hey everybody, it's Jake and I am alone in the basement. Uh, we're back after a few days off, uh, you know, in between the marathon run and hopefully, uh, you know, I got some more time off. So we're going to see how many I can put together this time so that I, I don't go crazy inside here and think about everything that's going on out there. So this is kind of my distraction. So I appreciate all you guys for supporting me and, and helping me out and listening and keeping me busy. Otherwise, I don't know what I would do. I mean, props out to my wife dealing with me being crazy the past few days. Um, but this time we're going to be talking to Mikey Every Night of Daddy Yeah Productions out of Buffalo. And uh, this is another guy I've known for a super, super long time. And he's just, he's an awesome dude. He's real fun to be around. He, he just, he's, he always brings excitement. And uh, that's what he's doing now with his own promotion. So uh, we're going to have, we're gonna have him on. He's going to talk about uh, about that. And uh, it should be a fun interview. I'm, I'm guaranteeing that he'll, he'll say something that'll get you laughing. So uh, you know the routine by now. Just stick to the ad, and on the other side, we'll be back. Hi, right, everybody. We're back from the break, and I am with Mikey Every Night. As I was saying in the intro, this is a dude I've known super long time. Uh, he's a great guy, and I'm, I'm super pumped to have you on, man. Uh, thanks, Bubba. I'm appreciate <laughs> to be there. And uh, most importantly, I haven't talked to your mom, Ellen, in a quite a long time. She gave me the best work punch one time ever, <laughs> long before I ever knew what working was. <laughs> I was I thought she was going to kill me. I was wondering if that was going to get brought up or not. Uh, my wife said to I bring it up. <laughs> but yeah, that was definitely one of Wanted the to make uh, it first. One of the <laughs> craziest and funniest moments of my life was my mom punching you in the face at a backyard show. <laughs> it was hilarious because I thought she was going to kill me. She was really mad, or at least appeared to be very mad. It was the first time I ever got worked. <laughs> <laughs> Better, but, better happen in the middle the, of nowhere in Fulton the County. That you never forget. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, brother. Good time. Uh, so you, uh, you obviously went on to do some. Oh, what happened? What in the hell? I think we lost him. <laughs> what happened there? I am not sure, but we're back, and I didn't even cut it all off, right. so we're just gonna keep going. Uh, <laughs> all right, sure, let's uh, do it. You're a guy I've known, you know, like I said, for a long time, and you obviously went on to do, you know, bigger things than than a lot of us. And you you got into this indie scene, and you've been having tons of fun out there. But what, after being on the indies for a while, made you decide, you know what, I'm gonna start my own thing? Well, you know, eleven years, about three hundred matches, somewhere around there. Um, you start to realize somewhere halfway in between when you start looking around how things operate and work and, you know, me being a constructive person and realistically always looking out for the fellow worker, realize that, uh, the business opportunities that we were being granted were not as conducive to, you know, getting food and <laughs> driving places. And then you find out what things cost, and then you go, oh, everybody was getting ripped off for a long time. <laughs> and then if you have the abilities to provide for others, you know, and empower themselves, you know, everybody works towards the common goal. I mean, we've been training people for five years, and realistically, you think about it as, you know, we all stand in line, you know, for the paycheck at the end of the night, the window. And... Uh, you know, instead of being, you know, standing in line, you give people an opportunity to be the one to create their own paychecks and their own opportunities. Yeah, man. And you have the ability to, once you realize that we have 20 people coming through the door every month, you know, some of them aren't getting booked. You know, it's hard to get booked because there's a lot of wrestlers. Uh, instead of waiting in line for the opportunity, we can give the opportunity. And that's where it evolved to. Yeah, man, which it, it's true that there's a lot of uh, promoters who aren't out there doing the right thing. And, you know, it's you got to at some point do it for yourself. Uh, was it hard at all, though, starting in New York? Because I know, you know, it's kind of a pain in the oh, ass. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> ridiculous. Pain in the ass would be a bit. It used to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> you know, I've, I've only been doing it a very short time and have a limited amount of experience. But from what I've learned, you know, it, I mean, you can mortgage a house on what you have to pay just for insurances alone. Oh, yeah. I was uh, uh, talking to 
Uh, actually, it was a previous episode, the last one I did, CJ Scott. He was telling me about all the stuff you have to do now, uh, all the insurances, the bondings, all the, the crazy shit, oh. you know. I was like, holy fuck, why is it that, like, what, is the commission just trying to, like, eat money, or are they trying to shut wrestling down? <laughs> I mean, realistically, we can get, we, it's, it, to me, it's more political, I believe, the enforcement of it, more than it is anything else, like, the, the positions, the only thing I'll really speak on it now, like, on the record, you know, uh, is that the people in charge of enforcing the executive branch, uh, the commissioner and the inspectors in the New York State, they're allowed to interpret the laws however they want. Oh, okay. And due to these politically appointed positions and not elected officials, elected officials make the legislation, but the executive branch enforces the laws. Well, there was a lot of backhanded, what I believe. I mean, I don't know if it's a conspiracy. I don't give a shit. Uh, but it makes it hard on everybody. That there were things going on behind closed doors with these appointed officials. And then it brought the hammer down on everybody. Yeah, and it, it sucks. I know it's making, it's going to make things harder when we come out of this. But pro wrestling always survives. Well, well <laughs> see, you use that. I get a lot of heat for this, Bubba. You use that beautiful word pro wrestling right yeah <laughs> i don't believe what we do i don't believe what we do in daddy yeah is pro wrestling oh uh, what you guys do is, is is definitely unique it is and and i love it because it gives it's perform it's, it's directed performance art it has zero to do with any competition and and that's like the beautiful and thing though i believe yeah go ahead man i believe it should be deregulated based on that alone Oh, it's my personal view. It definitely should be. It shouldn't be a part of the athletic commission anymore. There's no reason for it to be. It it, it should have been done away with a long time ago. At this point, you know, it, it is like you said. It's political. It's it's to get the, yeah, the as it, much it, money out of it as they can. A, yeah, an archaic tax system. I mean, once again, we this is a whole another sub segment we could talk hours about. Oh yeah, I, I, I have a lot of opinions and theories. And a lot of legal, you know, I, believe me, when <laughs> they started implementing MMA insurance and boxing insurance for professional wrestling, which has a far less injury rate. Oh, yeah. And, and claims on the insurance. Like pro wrestling has something like 0.7% of all wrestling events have somebody claim something on the insurance. As where MMA, it's like close to ten percent. I thought and it would be boxing, more than that. Professional boxing, it's like seven percent. Wow! So it's exponentially more claims on such other sports, contact, combat of sports. Um, but we still pay the same amount of insurance it would cost to, you know, put on such events. Oh, that's that's nuts, man. That's that... the that's the holdup. Yeah. But that's for professional wrestling. That is, you know, avant-garde, you know, theater. It's definitely, it's carving, you're carving a path where, I mean, maybe some other people have dabbled, but you're really going into it. It's, it's a TV show, <laughs> Bubba. <laughs> Not to bullshit nobody or anything. No, to be honest, professional wrestling. Grapplers Anonymous, the pro wrestling training school, which I'm standing in right now, is the... Clown college. <laughs> no, it is. And we produce clowns and good ones. That's the analogy I'm going to use. And, all... and Daddy yeah, is the circus. <laughs> it's where the clowns perform. Hey, man. You make a lot of sense with that. And you have you put a ton of great guys out of that school. That is, that is one of the best ones in New York by far. Well, we just you know, keep it low key and advertise to those who want, really want it. I mean, we've adopted so many different, and I use that emphatically, so many different training styles. And what it means is, you know, hard cardio is first and foremost. We don't just accept anybody out of the door. You got to really work hard to earn it. It's, you know, every time Dick and Harry can take your money, you know, but we want to produce excellent, excellent products. 
And you take people from complete opposites of the spectrum who started almost the exact same time, like somebody like Daniel Garcia and Puff. Complete opposites of the spectrum <laughs> yep. in professional wrestling sense. But both worked exceptionally hard. Puff worked harder in the first five months that I knew him than probably one or two human beings I've ever seen ever in my life. 35 years. And I lo- guy put in ridiculous work. And I love him. I love him so much. He he's one of those big dudes that you don't see in pro wrestling or you know in any part of this business anymore. And to just see him do what he does for how big he is, you know, all the power to him. He's he's a tough yeah. dude. Yeah, he's a personality wise. Like he's you know still a young guy, human being wise, you know, maturing in life, but. You know, as a performer, he picked it up pretty quickly. He has a natural charisma that you couldn't deny. But, I I mean, all of that aside, if he wasn't going to do the push-ups and the squats and, you know, come to the gym four or five days a week when I first met him and gave him the opportunity to train, he wouldn't have been here. He would have been, you know, doing whatever the fuck. But everybody's held to the same standard. I mean, so many, so many. I mean, we've trained realistically 22 people from scratch. It probably helped about 30 total with, like, you know, things like that. And, but it's crazy to think of the names who have come out of there already, and it's, it's nuts. Yeah. I don't mean, I'm not big on, name, like, name dropping and stuff, but, I mean, just the, the hard work, or, you know, recognizes hard work. The, the people who want to succeed, they're going to look for other people who succeed and emulate that. And we've had a few minor success stories, you know. And so that draws people in and honesty and integrity goes the longest way. I mean, I'm not in the business to this aspect of the business, to profit or, you know, make a living or be Vince McMahon. That those are never the goals. I'm in the human interest business. And I feel like that's a much more, a more rewarding business, maybe not financially, but definitely personally. Well, yeah, you, you grow to learn and accept people for who they are, humanity. I'm a worker's first kind of person, you know, just a working class, you know. Most of these guys, you know, would wrestle for peace and water. I mean, I know I did. I, you know, no shame about it. I drove 100 miles for, you know, a cup of orange juice and, you know, two two hot dogs. But... These guys can do that now and have a little bit of leverage, I would say. I hate to use that term, but they have a little bit of, you know, name because of this building and, you know, the others of success out of here. Everybody's held to a pretty high standard. I wouldn't lie. Brandon Thurston is an absolutely amazing trainer. He, he is somebody super important when it comes to the aspect of seeing the macro. Oh yeah, he's a he's the dude I've heard tons of tons of great stuff about and just his uh, his vision about it all is is a great thing. Yes, he, he has a very unique look because he's so good and accurate at understanding the whole. I mean, because everybody, you know, not everybody, but I would say a good 90% of people I would see come through the doors in this building, they kind of look at wrestling with like a rose colored personal like aspect to it. I'm going to be the best wrestler. I'm going to be, I'm going to lift all the weights I can. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to go tanning. I'm going to cut a promo downstairs in front of the green screen, whatever. Here's where when Brandon comes in, he, he looks at it as like a shepherd. Now I have to hit all these people with the most important points possible and as a trainer in the ring he's excellent everybody knows that i mean they should they should and he's i'm not going to put him over <laughs> because we're you know we're not the believe me we work with each other you know not in the ring but a lot we're not like friends or anything but i mean i was you know respect level 100 and but you learn to you learn to appreciate people and that's a big deal because a lot of I feel like a lot of people these days don't appreciate the people around them. Man, I couldn't do this by myself. I told you, I, I, I wish I could scream that from the mountaintop. 
there's, you know, realistically going into the show, 30 people involved. Let's say 20 people are booked. You know, you need to bring an announcer, somebody in production, you know, referees, so on and so forth. And if everybody gives, you know, 50%, the show will go on and things will happen, you know. But if everybody gives the best of the 100% that they can, you create something that's special. And assembling people, like-minded people, like-minded motivated people, that happens. And then they're happy because they're motivated to, you know, advertise themselves and sell tickets to the public. So the public shows up so that they don't have to be worried about, like, getting stiffed or, you know, no money or, you know, the house is light boys or doom or gloom. You know, the, that positivity just keeps rolling itself over to yeah. the point where then as long as you keep people motivated and focused, they just do whatever you ask them to do. Which is is a great like way to look at it, and they, you're true. You know, positivity just breeds more positivity. The moment you let negativity in, shit's just going to go down from there. Oh, yeah. Well, just that, you know, it could take one frown to take five smiles and turn them upside down. You know, but it takes six smiles to make one frown up. So, as no. long as everybody's smiling and working towards a common... Because, I mean, realistically, wrestling is a interest-based, you know, business. Not everybody likes everybody. Not everybody works the same places. Not everybody has the same relationship with promoters. So, you, it's if you remove the sense of self... You know, oh, there's, it's a greater sense of self. Okay, I don't want to fuck it up because so-and-so down the road might be able to get an opportunity there. Just little things like that. It's just, you know, you take that, multiply that by 15. You know, it just, it spreads. Much like the COVID virus. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you got this off the ground, what were the expectations? Or like, did, did you have any short-term goals just like right out the gate? Pulling Once again, pulling everybody together was a short-term goal to realistically see if we could do it. You know, I, I remember, you know, the, the most, 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 uh, most emotional moments of my life was when I got the email, you know, like, I'm a licensed promoter. Holy shit, I've never done anything, you know, like that ever in my life, like adult, you know. I'm now I'm the boss. I fucking hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Like, I did it's the, you know, the uncertainty of knowing the buck stops with you. You know, you can't, you know, there ain't nobody to blame if it, you know, success or failure, but also gives you a sense of, you know, empowerment. Because the people next to you, you know, because you can't do it alone, the people next to you are empowered. Now they have to step up their responsibility if you trust them and, you know, ask them, you know, now, now it empowers other people to try to do better. And that's what it did. It was one of, now, oh man, I'm not just a boss. Now, you know, I got 30 other people, you know, that have to be on the same mind track and, you know, same goal, you know, because their money's on the line now. And it all worked out. <laughs> it worked out twice. <laughs> and I, I love the way you put it that. Did. That it just it just doesn't have to fall on you. That you know everybody's got their responsibility and their weight to pull. That's that's a great way to put it. A lot of the problems you see on smaller independent shows is, you know, if you you're on the show, it's usually a lack of administration or a clear guideline. And once again, I'm not going to say that our shows are flawless or anything, but they came off much better than than, <laughs> than we intended. But attendance was good, and the crowd was excited. You know, granted, a lot of these guys are students. Everyone who was on the first two shows were students, like people we've trained or, you know, came through the doors at some point. Or, you know, Mr. Brickster came in from Nashville. You know, he moved away about a year and a half ago, but he had to be on the show. And it was, you know, we had to have one of the guys that we helped train. And talk about a dude with an intensity and a fire for this. No. Mr. Mr. Brickster's the dude. He's 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 a real one. Yeah, he's a that's you make you a real human being. I mean, he might be you know he's nuts. Like he appears <laughs> to be you know an out there kind of guy, 
but he's from South Buffalo, you know, not too far, probably a mile away. He was born a mile away from where I'm standing right now. And he's kind of like, he fits his demographic area of South Buffalo. Like, I'm not saying that he's not unique and he's the only one, uh, because he is, <laughs> but I mean, he's, he's Seneca street. Definitely. hundred <laughs> percent. And he, if he ever hears this, he'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But yeah, he's somebody who just loves professional wrestling. Loves it. And, and you can and definitely made, tell. Yeah. He just cares. And when he yells, Bricks believes and Brickster cares, he really does. He's a generally, you know, really good human being. I'm glad to. You get a lot of people like that. Wrestling breeds for every one real shithead, (laughs) one real scumbag that fucking seeps through the fucking cracks these days, you know? There are 10 really good people. Good. I'm glad to hear that. That's the positivity. That's the positivity that you, you breed out of. At least in our gym, we weed these people out. We make sure, you know, to the best of our ability to figure these people out. We have a thing called the trial at the gym. And that's what you, that's basically your tryout test. It's just, it's not, it's not just a physical, you know, test of your endurance because it is quite hard. I mean, the grapplers are not on this website. You can watch the videos. They're just clips. It's not all of it. I've seen some of those videos and it, it looks intense, man. Like, I don't think. Brandon, I- <laughs> Brandon myself used to, when we first came up with like a, organized way for it we went absolutely crazy and we did the most that our bodies could do at that point and then added more (laughs) i mean you knew me back when i was in the best shape i was ever in and i don't even know if i could have done it then (laughs) uh i don't i don't know man because i've 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 seen people push through it that you wouldn't you would just be like man this guy's gonna be out of here in two minutes and i've seen people that you know x you know, football players that were in practice squads come through and then they're out five minutes later, like puking and legs are like spaghetti. I'm like, how the hell were you in the, you know, tryout <laughs> teams? Unless you were bullshitting me. Yeah. Probably. See a lot of those. Oh, I'm sure. I am definitely sure. But yeah, we hold people to that expectation of, you know, hard work and pushing yourself and then just weed those shitheads out. Because while they're taking the trial, I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to find out your psychology, how you are as a human, how you your body handles stress. Because while you're blown up, you're not really thinking about the questions being asked. You. You're just, you know, that's when you're going to get the most natural reaction. And then, you know, that's how you, you figure out a human being. Yeah. Because some people have past trials that would have been shitheads and bad to the wrestling culture as a whole. You know, not just our community, but... And so, those people tend to weed themselves out anyways, or the culture weeds them out. It's like a filter system. Good. This definitely... This is one of the businesses that needs that. It does. It absolutely does. You know, there's never been a time or a place where I've ever been ashamed to say that, oh, I've done professional wrestling or, you know, I've been an indie wrestler. There's, you know, I don't look upon it, you know, with shame at any point. But some actions of some people involved in wrestling sometimes make me definitely question, you know, thank God wrestling is viewed as lowbrow and, you know, I like it because it's a working class form of entertainment. It's working class art. Yeah. It's a struggle, good overcoming evil, small overcoming big or adversity. Or, I mean, it can be micro broke down psychologically to any story that's ever been on a soap opera ever. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you're right. Cause I feel like it is important sometimes to make sure that these are stories that can be understood by everyone, no matter, you know, where you come from, how old you are, you know, what you've been through, as long as it's well, something. Oldest, yeah. Well, why the fuck are you performing in your underwear, <laughs> grabbing grabbing another human in front of other humans on a stage with some sort of barrier, like ropes, to keep you inside? All to do what? To make people believe what? That you're trying to win and trying not to lose. That's the story that you're telling. 
And then you take that tree. That's the base. That's the, the roots, you know, by the trunk. And everything else is what you tell through that story of trying to win and trying not to lose. And I feel like that's an allegory for life, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just so, so odd how real life feels like a, a work at times. Oh, yeah, it does. Well, I mean, granted, you know, <laughs> it's just my that's just my nervous system's perception of what goes on. I mean, your nervous system could be something completely different. Yeah, but I feel like anyone who's been exposed to wrestling on, you know, the other side of the barrier kind of does start looking at things differently. Like you kind of do feel like a lot of things in the world are a work. <laughs> they are. <laughs> my, my personal belief is that they are, you know, nothing you see can in real and will be real. You know, it's, there's always some sort of forethought that goes into everything. I mean, who and what, who, I don't even know. <laughs> you're, you're right. My man. thing, you know, to deal in pro wrestling, it's now everything is going to be a clean slate. You know, the transition into this point of the conversation of what we're going to do wrestling wise after, you know, we start to come back or whatever this industry starts to have public assembly, because that's all you're really waiting on is for, you know, there'll be a non band on public assemblies. Then because wrestling is the, uh, I always say is a cockroach of the entertainment industry. <laughs> it survives anything. Did you ever watch Mad Max? You know, I'm... There, there, there was wrestling. <laughs> was you know, there really? Where it all goes down, there's some sort of combative sport. <laughs> I'm probably going to sound like an idiot, but I don't really watch a lot of movies, so I have never seen any of the Mad Maxes. But I'm not, <laughs> I'm not surprised that there's wrestling in it. I'm not. Because you're right. No matter what you do, no matter what happens, no matter what anybody does, wrestling is going to find a way. Mm-hmm. Wrestling, wrestling didn't have a lull during World War II. I mean, it went down a little bit, like attendances, but you know, there was never a time where wrestling was in a depression because of. I think three things survive: you know, gambling, prostitution, and wrestling during all recessions. If you look history-wise, and all all of them have survived. <laughs> they yeah. Did well. You're right, and like you said, there might be downtimes in business, but it isn't mm-hmm. going to stop. Yeah, yeah, no, it won't stop. It won't go because it's it's an American art form. The work of pro wrestling, I'm probably can be, you know, go back into like Greek and you know Spartan times. Probably you probably work mad just back then. Human psychology has been <laughs> fucking same since forever. Uh, but documented, no, it's it's an American thing. Yeah, comic books, pro wrestling, jazz music. The only two, three true original art forms that are practiced on all the continents of the globe. I thought we did blues too. Was that us? It, well, jazz music and blues. <laughs> Weird side note well, there. Well, well, I'm just saying, it's a it's a truly American art form. Oh yeah, at least the the more theatrical version of it, I would say. Oh yeah, it is. Oh, it is. Because realistically, pro wrestling was a shoot back in the day. Oh, yeah. We, uh, who was it? It was the Stardust Trio. Shit. I know it was Strangler Lewis, Tootsmont, and somebody else, but those were the dudes like in the 30s to, to switch it over to a work. Yeah. yeah, they were like, well, okay, we make a bunch of money with some return matches. <laughs> you know, publicity wasn't as great. The press was controlled. You know, it was an ideal situation where you could try to pass a work off. Yeah, and it, gave them, shoot. and it gave them the opportunity to, you know, build an undercard. Could you imagine going to a wrestling show these well, days and, and only seeing one fucking match? Yeah. Yeah, three hours of just, you know, breathing on each other, basically. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, it's just, you know, the, the theatrical aspect of it, you know, is what keeps it going. That's why, I, once again, I always maintain that that Daddy yeah isn't professional wrestling. It's performance art. I mean, it appears as professional wrestling, and I would like people to think of it as professional wrestling, you know, in its medium. But in fact, that show produced 
is not it. The live shows that we produce isn't it. I mean, if you, you if you watch the show, would you believe it was professional wrestling? It's one of those things where I don't even know. It's one of those things where you can't, to me, you can't label it. Because there's just so much going on. Obviously, there's wrestling. Obviously, there's there's deep storylines. Obviously, there's there's a whole aspect to watch. But it's definitely entertainment in its best form. Well, well I appreciate the kind words. <laughs> you, 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 you didn't answer the question, though. <sighs> Here's the thing. Now you're in the hot seat. I, I know, I know. For me, it's weird. To me, any time that there is wrestling... I'm going to call it pro wrestling because that's just what I want to feel because I no, feel like cool. feel like we shouldn't because there are the people who are like, oh, pro, pro wrestling has to be this. We we don't need to box what wrestling is. Yeah, is is the you know, is is a subject to your interpretation. Yeah. And I mean, I like I love the idea that there's just so many different kinds of wrestling to where, you know, it, it is for everyone. Everyone can find that one thing that they love and like to watch the circus it's it, oh yeah thing. it's it's that level of entertainment that you're supposed to have but it's if if you believe that what you watch said with daddy yeah, is is pro wrestling and the con work the art work well then you're definitely doing something yeah. right man <laughs> well, okay well i'm just saying that for legal interpretations especially you know for the state yeah I, I totally that's, the answer. that's no that's legitimate yeah and, and my if there's actors unions you know that could be joined we'll probably join them and I feel like that if would yeah oh yeah that would really change everything my biggest thing is is there's always been a concern about the appearance of of what quote unquote pro wrestling is. And that's that's fine. It's up to every other promoter, especially in New York State, with such regulations, um, to look at themselves and at their business and say, "Am I or am I not?" And what requires classification, you know, of your business license? That's that's the real deep understanding between every promoter in New York State needs to understand between themselves. And their roster, because if it's deregulated, you've made sixteen hundred more extra dollars in deregulation, deregulated funds. Damn! And think of how much more that is for the workers and you. That's you could pay, every, everybody could pay get enough to pay twenty dollars into an insurance fund. And they would get more than enough. You know, you probably. Somewhere you probably can get it down to $8,500 a match, maybe. And that's probably for underneath guys. And then if you pay $20 into a health uh, fund in case somebody gets hurt insurance, it would pay for itself. Shit, man. You, pay, you, you could pay union dues out of that because it's a public fund, trust fund. I've looked at all I've I've looked at all legal outlets because once again, Daddy Air isn't professional wrestling. It is performance art. And you you just blew my mind with all the stuff that could be done. You know, if nobody ever wants to think about it because they have personal self interest. Capitalism in its finest is to exploit the carny aspect of wrestling. I have to I take the lion's share because it's my risk. Well, there's a lot of other risks involved, too. Yeah, the risks, you know, the people literally putting their bodies on the line. Yeah. And, you know, when I realized, when you said a long time ago, like, what made you realize you looked around? That's what made me realize. Not just myself as, as somebody standing in line for this bay window. You know, there's also 20 people behind me chasing the promoter down as he goes to the bar at the after party trying to stiff people or, you know, whatever the fuck. There's a whole bunch of other people that are still subjecting themselves to this because there's a lack of integrity. And it can be done honestly because it seems pretty easy. I know I do the ring at every show I've ever been to. You know, I'm 
I'll carry whatever. But there's always, you know, the core group of, especially in Western New York, 10, 15 guys that will pretty much go to any show and help out and just look for a spot. And those guys don't even get any money, you know. That's that's even crazier. Well, it's just what it is. It is, and I and I, and, I can understand because there was times when I was, you know, super young, like we you know when we first met, that I was, you know, driving five or six hours, you know, to work ring crew, and I wasn't getting, mm-hmm. I wasn't getting shit. It was just one of those things where you're hoping, you know, one day an opportunity is just going to get dropped in your Which lap. Is, yeah, and it's what you're supposed to do. It's the right way to look at it, in my opinion. You know, you would think that you know that that would be the right thing is paying your dues kid and all that and what it is that's true and it's very important that you know you make because you never know where opportunities are going to show up but the level of uncertainty there's not just you standing in line there there's you know 18 other people who you know who probably didn't drive five hours but you know are hoping to wish in and the promoters you know brother let's say who doesn't train it's not very good is on the show and you somebody who trained isn't <laughs> yeah these are a whole bunch of like micro you know examples that all lead up to the macro that you know if you look around and give people opportunity you know try to because realistically you would you would think it'd be beneficial for promoters to work together right Oh, definitely. I feel like that it's it's something we've needed for a long time. Yeah, even if it's not like top level, you know, independent wrestling promoters, you know, could be just small bands of little raiders, <laughs> for lack of a better phrase, pirates, you know, who agree to, you know, not invade each other's ships. Yeah, and you know, I mean, you know, business as usual because there's a lot of money to be made. People like pro wrestling. I, I personally live in an A minus town. You know, the WWE considers Buffalo, New York, a population of about two hundred thousand, an A minus town, like draw wise. Which is, that's good. That's great. Yeah. We we have a. Let's say. B. I wouldn't even say that. Let's say C plus economy. And we have an A town. So we have a a ton of wrestling fans in a town that doesn't have a lot of capital. So they spend their entertainment dollar on wrestling. And that that falls down on our level big time. Now, pro wrestling is pretty hot in Western New York. It was. That's all I was going to ask. Do you think that's more of a, a traditional sense that just because Buffalo has always been, you know, one of those hot territories, you know, back to the 70s and probably even earlier, or is it just because, you know, it's it's one of those things that really appeals to the working class? It's working class entertainment, my okay. friend. Working class art. Uh, and if you do it well, the good wrestling cities are Rust Belt cities, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. If you really do look at them, Erie, Pennsylvania has good wrestling. Um, you know, it's, it's really Rust Belt cities that, that at least, you know, I can see have some of the best, you know, promotions that you go, it's, it's almost like the working class needs this entertainment, but doesn't know how to digest it. That's and the way we pro- the way we produce it because we have two traditional indie companies here in Buffalo, and ironically, we, you know, some of the wrestlers on the shows, <laughs> you know, some of the champions and stuff, and you know, we trained. I remember watching them take their baby steps, learning to, you know, take a somersault like a child on a, you know, a mat. You have kids, Jake. You watch your child do do a first somersault. Um, if you want to call it that, I mean, my, my oldest boy, Archie, he'll, he'll, he'll try rolling and stuff and he'll try jumping on me and and doing moves, but it's, you know, we're still, we're still trying to get over the kinks. (laughs) 
Well, I'm just going to tell you, I wish I had the footage of the first day the landlord tried to do four rolls. Oh, my God. How good was that? Well, he did them. He did them perfect, like a toddler on a, on a mat. Wow. <laughs> like, wow, he popped right up to his feet. But, like, that's, you know, but guys like that, like, locally, characters like that, help push these other companies forward. They need talent. Everybody needs talent. There's a lot of wrestlers. Some are good. Most are not so good. But if we produce the things here, the clowns, then we can help the other circuses. Because there isn't, you know, you can't put everybody on every show. The payroll will be ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess we're, you know, we're lucky in the aspect of we're at a time where, you know, there's like more indies now and there's more promotions now than, than ever. But I'm sure you there's... hustle. <laughs> you got to hustle your product and your brand because now, you know, you're you're the guy, you know, having the people hand out, you know, the flyers at the WWE show. You know, you're in charge of, you know, running Facebook ads or trying to get content out there. You know, because if you don't, the guy 12 miles up the road and somebody else 12 miles up the road, you know, especially in this area, is going to try to. And you go, oh, shit, you know. I mean, granted, realistically, if a big super show was ran in Western New York, a thousand people would show up if everybody worked together. Oh man, if the, about it. if 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 all the people just shit, if you just went Syracuse over and, and found some common place to put it, I'd be even begging, you know, <laughs> hey Shelby, we got any money? We got, you know, we got gas no, money? I got to make it my way out there. I'm just saying it could it could happen, and it, once again you got to look out for your own interests. I mean, granted, I have to, but my interest doesn't extend just to my promotion, or I don't have kids or anything, so it's like things like that. But my interest comes back to the gym, the clown college. Like if if we're not producing clowns, then we're not getting the the, the people coming in to train, pay to train. And then, you know, the clown college dries up, which we're all right for right now. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, we have to continue to produce clown. And that's why, you know, we do what we do because other circuses are going to need clowns, too. Now, when this is over, this whole COVID-19 scare, what's what's the goal for Daddy at Productions coming out of this? A whole bunch of different ideas have been already drafted and kind of worked out on camera. But once again, it's entertainment. So, I mean, we, however, you know, however long this takes. And once again, once the public assembly ban is over, uh, Daddy is going to have a video product unlike anybody else's. Like going forward, like the stuff that has been tested already. Uh, is better than what we've done before, in my opinion. But uh, as of running live events, I mean, that's up to, uh, you know, however the state wants to handle this coming out of it. But it's still good to hear that you got ideas of of what's going to happen next and that you're not going to necessarily let anything stop you guys. As long as I can... No, no, nothing's stopping us outside. We, you know, we're just in a planning phase right now. So I told everybody, you know, because obviously social distancing, this is the only place for people to even want to work out. But nobody really has been because, once again, you know, we do practice all, you know, not trying to get shut down by any health inspectors or anything. People's health is more important than, than the gym, don't get me wrong. But, you know, everybody's coming up with characters, cutting promos. Uh, lifting weights. We get, I've never seen more people do deck of cards <laughs> in the last like two weeks than, than ever. But yeah, it's, going forward, we're just going to keep producing like a tape product. And once the public assembly bans are over, like and guys can come start training, then we can start taping again. Which I can't but wait. As for, of right man. now, I mean, we have we have we have enough. We have we have a new episode that went up today. Uh, Hopefully you can like it and share it. Oh, I'll do whatever you but, want, man. <laughs> whatever you ask. Well, well, we're just having fun, realistically, because all we have now is time and the, the older footage. So, I mean, we have a few matches. 
uh, probably about uh, 15 that we were going to release like during you know during the whole time I'm trying to get this over with and as soon as we can reassemble here uh, you know and start training you know everybody get back into a normal training routine we'll start taping matches awesome that's that's the awesome live, the, the live stream out of here I don't know because I'm, my phone camera is not very good so <laughs> I might have to get a different kind of camera but we, that, that's in a possibility too Hey man, but the factory once again, it's 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 oh. a dream, man. Yeah, but the fact you're even thinking about stuff like this just shows, you know, you know, you're in it, man. You're not. It's not just dipping toes. You're all the way in. Well, I, I, I'm not just once again. I'm not responsible for myself in in professional wrestling. I'm responsible for thirty people. I would say I have to answer for them and help them because they don't know. Because you know, realistically, you know, I love the butcher and the blade, but you know, they haven't been around in a while. Yeah, fair enough. You know, usually, you know, uh, Pepper was our go-to guy. You know, we all had the big questions. You know, I mean, most guys still reach out to him, but you know, we don't have that resource around too much anymore. So we're we're learning how to fish on that level for ourselves. And it's working. Which, which is great, man. To know you can kind of do it on wrestling your own. Is, yeah, wrestling is... Well, it's, it is DIY. I mean, I came <laughs> up through a, a punk, a DIY punk scene when I was a teenager. And, you know, people made zines and you learn how to, like, you know, collage stuff. I mean, I didn't really pay attention to that shit. But <laughs> some of the people I hung out with did. It was like an artist-like kind of thing. But they did it themselves. They, they, the one kid, I can't even remember his name, uh, he had a great, he said, well, there's no water, you dig a well. And that always stuck with me. Oh, man, if there's, you know, sometimes you just got to do things yourself. That's And that's all that he had was. He came out of grapplers, which is do it yourself. Nobody was around in our area to train anybody. I, I at the time, had resource to help people train, uh, but didn't definitely was not qualified to fucking train anybody. That's for damn sure. So we reached out to Pepper, the most experienced person in our area who would be qualified. And then, you know, he started reteaching everybody, you know, basic, our basic method that we use today. Uh, is it crazy sometimes? There's no water. There's no <laughs> water, my friend. <laughs> you should put that on the wall. Is it crazy, though, to think of where you're at at this point from then? Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, earlier today when I was thinking about, uh, you know, this interview, I thought about that. I was like, holy shit, for the first time in, like, probably a year. Like, it's like a weird feeling. I get almost like a like a hot flash, I'm assuming. It's like, holy, you know, we've exceeded the expectations of this place tenfold. You know, like, who would have thought? <laughs> well, you should... Like, it's, it, you know, it's kind of... It's kind of hard to take in at times because, you know, once again, I'm looking at this wall full of all these people, all these posters, all these successes, all these ideas, all these, you know, some people who came through the door and we haven't seen since. You know, it's 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 humbling. Well, you should definitely be proud of yourself, man. You've you've built something very special. Well, I appreciate it, my friend. Uh, it, it means a lot. I mean, I'm proud of the people around me. You know, as, so much as I, I know it's hard work and I just feel like this is just what I have to do. Uh, the other people doing what they have to do is what keeps it motivated. Well, okay, you know, this is why we got to have these matches. Okay, Cougs, this is, this is why you got to get this, do this promo. This is why you got to look this way. And I mean, that just that kind of, if people trust you and come up to you and ask you a question, I feel like I, I can't, I'm, obligated to help them especially in wrestling and that's a, i don't think i could say no that's a that's a great attitude to have and man it well, gets me in trouble sometimes don't get wrong <laughs> but uh it's sometimes you, you know you know I'm, like i said a lot of these guys are young you know i'm under 25 years old don't have much life experience this is their creative outlet this is this, you know their social outlet some of these guys are going absolutely fucking bonkers right now as we speak probably doing a deck of cards 
Gordon Ilya came here the other day, to, you know, he had to pick up a t-shirt that was here. He was like, oh man, I just want to work out. So I'm okay, whatever, I don't give a shit. He stood here and did 25 pistol squats on each leg. That's crazy. Like, you, you couldn't do that before. He was like, I know, I've been so bored, I've just been practicing. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's in a, his legs look huge. Like, <laughs> I don't got nothing to do. Well, keep that mindset, keep motivated. Don't let this shit get you down. You know, once we get back to business as usual, you know, everybody's going to be on a clean slate. Not not everybody, but coming out of this, those who get the notoriety and, you know, have planned well through, you know, this pandemic, I think should do well. Which is, which is Don't good let anybody here. ever out hustle you. That's, that's a great attitude to have, man, especially in, in I mean, this business. Hmm. And especially your, I mean, who, your, who else are, if we don't look out for each other. Yeah. The promoters ain't always going mean, to look these, out. These guys are so important. <laughs> they don't give a shit. Some of them don't give a shit. And I'll go on record as saying that some, some promoters and, and they have the right not to give a shit. Don't get me wrong. You know, they have a right, you know, to say, look, this is your job. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to do it. And, but you as a worker have the right to say, go well, fuck yourself. And they have the right to, as a promoter, as a business person, tell you to go fuck yourself. And a compromise is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, a lot of times it's I hope it can be reached. Guys. Like, you want your money? Yeah, you want your money. Hmm. Some of these young guys, if they want their money, you know, they can say, hey, I'm worth X amount of dollars to you. Yeah. For this is for my time and my labor and, you know, gas money or whatever. But you have a right to ask the promoter for a million dollars. I tell these young guys this all day. You can ask a promoter for a million dollars, and he has the right to go tell you to go fuck yourself. And you can ask him, he can ask you to wrestle for $20, to drive 800 miles to drive for $20. And you have to wait on your mind and yourself, is this opportunity worth the drive, the loss, my time, my effort, my mental labor, my physical labor? Is this worth it for the $20, this exposure, this experience, you know? a big old you know plus and negative columns but if you, you have the right to go tell him if you don't agree to it to go fuck himself <laughs> <laughs> you know obviously you don't say it that way but you know you have to make that mental decision and Vince, the only Vince McMahon quote I'll ever say is two people can work out any problem unless one of them is an asshole oh, stand by that I never knew he said that yeah, there's like some quote somewhere. One of the one of the books my girlfriend made me read a long time ago. Because <laughs> I don't like to read. Eh, you know, it's not for everybody. These wrestling books I got. Yeah. No, no, just I'd rather be. You know, they always say. You know, I'm not a religious person, but idle hands are the devil's playthings. <laughs> yeah. I can't be. I can't be left alone. So. <laughs> All right, man, we're, uh, we're getting close to the hour mark, so I'm just going to stop this, save it, and go right into the next. I always explain this on podcast. Good. I don't know why, because no one notices the transition. So, <laughs> Sure. All right. So is it cool now if I ask you a couple rapid-fire questions that have nothing to do with pro wrestling? Sounds good. All right. Uh, what was your first pet's name? Uh, Roscoe. Was it, a, was it a dog? Yeah, it was a dog. All right. I don't know why, but I feel like that name suits a dog more than a cat. Um, what store? Yeah, it was do, a dog. What store do you shop at the most? Speedway. Ooh. All right. Um, this, one's a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this one's important to me. Grape or strawberry jelly? Neither. Oh, which one is it then? Grape or strawberry oh, jelly, oh, if I, I had to choose. Oh, I meant like, well, I mean like, uh, if, if you don't like either of those, are you a marmalade guy? Apple butter? What is it? <laughs> yeah, probably apple butter probably be the closest thing to it. All right. Thinking uh, about it. I mean, I, I'm not, I like peanut butter and bread. All right. Uh, what's the most you've ever seen Megabyte Ronnie eat? <laughs> um, In person? Yes. Or on video. Video, I can't. Uh, he chugged all kinds of gross <laughs> cinnamon Coca-Colas or something. I puked like 
I almost puked literally out through my eyes, <laughs> like 20 seconds. It's into it because I don't like cinnamon anything. And like, oh man, that was, I don't even know how he did it. But he ate, in 30 minutes, he ate 22 slices of pizza. Uh, and that was at the Pizzeria Carbones. That's one of our sponsors. He did it for an eating challenge. He was supposed to eat three large pizzas. And he only ate two in like three quarters. That's probably one of the, the guys. Uh, he, he's one of your guys, right? He has to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, he, moved, he, he moved here to train here from like South Carolina. And I... I want big things for him because I love him. I love the mustache. I love the hot dogs and the fanny pack. I I love the scarf. <laughs> I love Megabyte. Well, tell him that he, he he's he's one of those guys that like he, you know, a guy like you should probably tell him that. Because I, you know, I, I will tell Ryan, him. Ryan's that. got a million ideas. You know what? Hey. Here, you know what? I'm going to send this to, when you're done to Megabyte Ronnie because I'm looking at his brand new gear right here, actually, that oh. got shipped to one of the other wrestlers' houses about like a month ago. And I haven't seen Ronnie to give it to him. So, Ronnie, your red your red and orange gear is here, pal. <laughs> you probably should come pick that up. It's very nice. And that's a guy I'd, lo- I'd love to have a, you know, an interview with. I, I just want to know everything about yeah, him. Yeah, so I get a hold of him. Yeah, I'll have to find him. <laughs> He's a, I'll tell him to get a hold of you. All right. He's th- a nice guy. Thank you. And then my final question for All you right. is what is the creepiest basement you've ever been in and why? Uh, I don't know, man. I used to play a lot of basement shows. It's <laughs> not that they were creepy. They were fucking disgusting. <laughs> like, what's the most fucking disgusting basement that I've ever been in? Yeah, I'll go, I mean, with, that. I'll go really with that one. I'm scared of, like, supernatural or creepy or whatever. <laughs> I mean, whatever. If there's a ghost around, man, that's cool. <laughs> you be a ghost over there, player. I don't want nothing to do with you. You don't want nothing to do with me. You know, the supernatural. No ghost under the bed. If there's like a pair of sleep paralysis demon, I'm like, well, you're just going to sit right there. I'm going to be right here sleeping. Whatever. Yeah, I'm not a supernatural. But no, disgusting fucking basements. Oh, man, there was one in North Buffalo when I was a teenager. And, you know, we dragged our fucking equipment. It was like a... Remind me of like something like in a sewer. Oh, like you would play like inside of a giant sewer pipe, but it was a human. It was like a basement with people living upstairs. Oh, that's gross. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was like leaking water right behind the uh, one big lamp that was behind the the band that was like attached to like the leaky pipes from the ceiling. Oh, did so it we smell? All been electrocuted. Oh man, it was disgusting. Oh. But, I mean. Here, it, it, I fear death 100% of the time that I went down there. So then, yeah, that would be creepy. <laughs> oh, all right. I, again, thank you so much, man, for for doing this. Uh, you want to uh, give out the social medias for Daddy Yeah Productions? Yep, hold on. Hold on. I can't remember any of that stuff. Daddy Yeah on Facebook. Uh, DM us if you want any kind of sponsorship. We're willing to work out anything, make you a commercial or whatnot. You got the capabilities. Daddy App Productions on Instagram, Daddy App Forever on Twitter, and Daddy App Productions on the YouTube. Please like and subscribe. Give us a share. Give us a shout out. Message us. We'll message you back with some silly stuff. We got some t-shirts. Buy one. We'll ship them to your house. I'll even wear a mask and some gloves when I ship it if you don't trust me. There you go. That's That's all anybody can ask for now. So go out, right. yeah. Like, share, like. subscribe, fucking do everything he tells you to. Mike, he's a great guy. I <laughs> uh, appreciate it, big brother. And tell your mama once again. I said hello and your wonderful family. And uh, get a hold of me anytime, big brother. You take it easy. All right, thanks, brother. Take it easy. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, everybody. That was Mikey Every Night of Daddy Ed Productions. That was that was such a. Uh, it's crazy. Like, I know I'm, I'm like stu- stuttering now, but that was so much more in depth than I thought it was going to get. And I fucking loved it. So I hope all of you guys love it. You know, Mike, he's not a guy, you know, to pull punches or, or hide from anything. He's a very honest, straightforward dude, which is obviously what we need more of in pro wrestling. So uh, I hope you enjoy this. 
remember to follow me on all the social medias, you know, Facebook alone in the basement, Twitter, AITB podcast, Instagram alone in the basement. I don't really have any others. Uh, as always, thank you to my wife, Shelby, for putting up with my bullshit and dealing with all the kids upstairs right now going crazy. Uh, I don't know if you'll be able to hear them in the background of this episode, but they were definitely wild up there. <laughs> and uh, I love all you guys. So take it easy and I'll see you in a couple days. Bye.